having known that we would uh, be taking time this morning to recognize those of you who are graduates, I wanted to take this opportunity this morning to give a short commencement address, uh, one that is directed specifically towards you who have graduated, but really sweeping all of us up into its message and its purpose. Now, in order to properly give a commencement speech, one has to know what a commencement speech is. The word commencement means a beginning or a start. So in practice, a commencement speech is a speech that marks the beginning or the start of something new. And so when we're talking about graduates, you know, we are talking about a message intended to equip and make one's listeners ready for what they're about to experience in their new life after graduation. And it really is a speech on how to be ready for life. And so that's what I'd like to give this morning. I'd like to deliver to you a message from the Word of God about how to be ready for life, all of life, and all that you might experience in it. You say, no way, yes way. Okay? So, if you have your Bible this morning, and I hope you do, please turn to the book of 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy, we're going to be looking at chapter 3, verses 14 Maybe all the way to 17 this morning. And as you're turning to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 through 17, I want to remind you all of something very important about the saving gospel that many of you profess. Even many of you graduates that you profess to believe. And that important truth that I want to remind you all of this morning is that your salvation is for a purpose. Right? And this is what we looked at for the first 12 weeks after I came here, that salvation, according to the pages of Scripture alone, sinners like you and I can be saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, to the glory of God alone. That's the purpose of our salvation, to bring glory to God alone. And therefore, it is the purpose of our new life that we have in Christ as well. This 1 Corinthians 10.31 says so plainly, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. That's our great pleasure and purpose and joy in life as believers. As Ephesians 2.8-10 teaches, we are saved by grace through faith unto good works. So the question for us who have believed and responded to the Gospel is this. How can I be ready to glorify God no matter what my life might have in store? How can I, as Titus 3.1 states, be ready for every good work? Well, that's what our passage before us today is all about. It's all about how to be ready to glorify God no matter what life might have in store. We're going to see three points in this regard in our passage this morning. In verses 14-15, through we're going to see the persistent process for being ready. In other words, what must I do consistently in order to prepare myself and be ready to glorify God in any and every circumstance? Second, in verse 16, we're going to see the inspired instrument for being ready. In other words, what has God given me to equip me for every situation that might come to me in life? And then finally, in verse 17, we're going to see the glorious goal for being ready. What should be the driving ambition of my heart and life that will keep on bringing me back to that persistent practice and process of making myself ready? So we're going to look at the persistent process, the inspired instrument, and the glorious goal for being ready for life and for every new experience and adventure God has in store. So with that in mind, let's read 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 through 17. Paul writes in verse 14, 
But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. This is the Word of God who gives us more understanding than the aged when we keep His precepts. Let's pray. Father, we thank You so much for the opportunity we have this morning to study Your Word. We thank You for how it gives us uh, the ability to understand how to prepare for what comes later in life. Father, though we do not know what the future has in store, only You know that. We know how to prepare for it. And so, Father, I pray that by Your grace, You would lead us on level ground through this passage this morning. And I pray for the graduates of our church. Father, I pray that they would heed these words and prepare themselves for the glorious adventure You have in store for them. Father, may they hear Your Word and follow You. I ask this this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. So the circumstances surrounding our passage this morning in 2 Timothy is that the Apostle Paul is in prison in Rome. After serving his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and spreading the good news as an evangelist and as a pastor for over 30 years. He's in prison because Nero has just burned down his own city of Rome and he's pinned it on the Christians. Paul, one of the most famous Christians in the ancient world at that time, is a great scapegoat for him. And so Paul is sitting in jail understanding that he is about to await an unjust execution. And in that moment, rather than thinking of himself, he thinks of his protege, Timothy, his true child in the faith. Knowing that when he passes away, Timothy, who had trained under Paul for many, many years, would have to begin a new stage of life and of service to Christ. One that would now be without Paul, his mentor. Paul wants to make sure that Timothy will be ready for whatever life might have in store. And that's why Paul writes this letter. In chapter 3 of 2 Timothy, Paul really starts looking ahead to what Timothy has in store for his future. If you were just to look really quickly in the opening 14 verses, 13 verses, Paul's words ring out just as true today, graduates, as they did for Timothy back then. When this was first written, Paul reminds us in verses 1-6 through that following Jesus will mean times of difficulty. People will come alongside you. And they will enter into your life. And they will try to lead you astray from following after Jesus. Pretending to be learned, they will try to use their learnedness to intimidate you and oppose the truth and turn you away from following after Christ. Now many of you have not experienced this in a great degree yet. Just as verses 10-11 through of 2 Timothy 3 says of Timothy, many of you thus far have been moderately preserved from these corrupting influences, and instead have been given influences, good influences, people who have taught you, who have shown you, and who have demonstrated for you the worth of Christ and the trustworthiness of His Word. You have been surrounded with good examples of how to follow Christ. Nevertheless, as verses 12-13 through warns you, 
There is a day of deceptive influences that are going to come into your life. And so Paul gives these instructions in verses 14 through 17 so that you might be ready for whatever life has in store. And so I want you to begin by seeing the persistent process for being ready in verses 14 through 15. Paul writes, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Here Paul teaches us that there is something that you must consistently do if you are to be ready for what life has in store. Paul says here in verse 14, you must continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed. So what was it that Timothy had learned and so firmly believed? Well, if you keep on reading on into verse 15 of this passage, it is the sacred writings, the holy scriptures. It is the word of God that they had been taught. And so Paul tells us here that if we are to glorify God in any and every circumstance that might possibly come into our life in the future, then we must continue in what we have learned. And we must continue in what we have firmly believed. We must continue to learn and believe the word of God. Listen. Graduates, listen, Christian. Many of you have grown up in this church and in families that have taught you the Word of God faithfully for many, many years. And I praise God for that. That is a gracious gift from God to you. But listen, that in and of itself will not make you ready for what is ahead. So do not waste the gift that God has given you in these early years. If you are to remain ready to glorify God in this new chapter of your life, then it is not enough that you once learned the Word of God or that you once believed it. You must continue to learn the Word of God and continue to believe it. If you are to remain ready to glorify God in this new chapter in your life, then just like with Timothy, that calls for a persistent process of continuing what you have learned and firmly believed. It's not enough simply to learn. You must continue. It is not enough simply to believe. You must continue to believe. As 2 Peter 1 verse 5 says, you must supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge. This is how a true follower of Christ shows himself. He continues in the Word of God in learning it, and in believing it, and in obeying it. As Jesus said in John 8.31 to the Jews that had believed in Him, Jesus says to them, If you abide or continue in My Word, then you are truly My disciples. So don't try to use graduates, believers, do not try to use yesterday's manna for today's meal. You and I need God's Word afresh continually. So graduates, if you want to be ready for whatever God has in store, read the Word of God this summer like you have never read it before. 
Let this summer be the time when you commit to continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed. Let this summer be the time when you develop a persistent process of being in the Word of God for the glory of God. Some of the greatest moments of my spiritual growth happened in my high school and college years, and particularly the summer summer after graduating from high school. Do not waste this gift God has given you. Let this summer be the time when you continue in what you have learned and believed so that you might be ready. And if you do, I guarantee you that it will change your life. It will change your life and set you off on a grand adventure for the glory of God. Now you might be sitting there thinking, how do you know that, Pastor? (laughs) Because you yourself have seen the evidence of the power of God's Word already, both in your life and the life of of those who have come before you. Look at what Paul says next. He says you should continue in the Word of God because you, end of verse 14, know from whom you have learned it. Here, Timothy is being encouraged to continue learning the Word of God and to continue believing firmly in the Word of God because he has seen the power of that Word demonstrated in the very lives of those who originally taught it to him. Now for Timothy's case, that was his mother Eunice and his grandmother Lois as seen back in chapter 1 verse 5 and later in chapter 2 verse 2 and chapter 3 verse 10 we see there was Paul himself that also taught Timothy the word of God. And so Paul is telling Timothy here, you know, you know this is no empty word for you. You know, you know that this word is living and active and that it is powerfully at work in the hearts of those who believe. You know this. You say, well, how do you know this? Because look at those who have continued in this very word before you. You say, well, I don't believe the word of God is very powerful. Then how do you explain the testimonies of people who have firmly believed and continued in it before you? You ought to continue in this because you know it has power in the lives of those who have come before you. So when the doubters and the deceivers come alongside you and they plant doubts in your minds that the Word of God is all rubbish and all foolishness, graduates, I want you to remember those who came before you who faithfully continued, faithfully learned, faithfully believed, and faithfully obeyed this Word. Their lives are evidence of the power and truth of the very word that they taught. As I look back, one of the books that God used most during the summer of my graduation to prepare me for what lay ahead was Fox's Book of Martyrs. And then, after that, another book I highly recommend, Light from Old Times by J.C. Ryle. I encourage you, write those titles down. Both books tell the accounts of Christian martyrs first throughout history and then second through the English Reformation. Martyrs who lived courageously and died victoriously for the truths of God's Word. 
At that time, I had no idea how much those stories would affect me and ready me for what God had in store for my life as a Christian and a follower of Christ. But as I was going through the initial, my initial years of college, and as my beliefs in Scripture were challenged and assaulted on every side, when I was tempted to keep silent about my identity as a Christian and my allegiance to Jesus Christ, I would remember in that moment Polycarp, who on the day of his burning and execution confessed, 86 years I have served Christ. He has never done me any wrong. How can I then deny and blaspheme my King and Savior? When I was tempted to begin the pursuit of earthly relationships over my pursuit of Christ, I would think of John Rogers, who left the arms of his wife, ten children, and newborn infant, and went marching towards the stake to be burned to death, saying, What I have preached with my mouth, I will now seal with my blood. When I was tempted to think that, you know what, reading my Bible is really not that big of a deal, for, and it's not very important for the day, I would remember how William Tyndale had his life choked out of him and his body burned to the stake because he refused to stop translating the Bible into English so that the lowliest plowboy could know more of Scripture than the most learned Latin scholar. And when I was tempted to stay quiet and not tell my classmates about the person and work of Jesus Christ, I'd remember Jim Elliott, Nate Saint, and their three other friends who gave their lives so that the Aka people in Ecuador that most people didn't even know would come to know Christ's name. You see, knowing and remembering those who came before me gave me the courage and conviction to continue on in learning the Bible and firmly believing it. Graduates, one of the one of the greatest ways you can prepare yourself for whatever God has in store for you is to remember those who came before you. To learn about the lives that they lived and the testimonies that they bore for the glory of Christ. Buy yourself a copy of these two books. Read them this summer. You won't regret it. And in the future, if you ever doubt the power and truth of God's Word for yourself, you will remember those who came before you, and you will have to deal with all of your doubts in light of these people's testimonies and experiences. As Hebrews 13, 7-8 says, Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you in the past the Word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. For Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So you should continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you've learned it, and also how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. In other words, you ought to continue learning the Word of God. And you ought to continue firmly believing it. Why? Because you yourself know the power of Scripture's influence in your life. You've seen it through your salvation. It was by the Word of God that you were made wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. It was by the Word of God. The powerful transformation you've experienced in your life life came through your exposure to the Word of God. The Holy Spirit took the Word of God and He opened your eyes to the reality of God's glory, man's sin, Christ's work, and your necessary response. We learned that sinners like you and I can be saved by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone, to the glory of God alone. Why? Because someone opened up their mouth and shared to us the Word of God. God used the Scriptures to bring us to Christ in order that we might be saved through Him. As James 1.18 and 21 says, of His own will He brought us forth, Right? So by God's power we were born again. How? By the word of truth. The implanted word which is able to save your souls. 
So listen, you ought to continue learning. You ought to continue firmly believing the Word of God because it is what made you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. It is the tool that God used to open your eyes to behold the glory of Christ, to recognize your sin, and to impel you in faith to run to Him for salvation. Every positive, necessary change that has taken place in your heart and mind, God has used the Word of God to produce it. So you ought to continue in it. If Scripture is sufficient to make you wise for the most important decision of your life and eternal destiny, then believer, it is sufficient to make you wise for every lesser decision also. So graduates, if you want to be ready and powerfully equipped for whatever God has in store for you, then continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed. This summer, I challenge you, read the Word of God like you've never read it before. This is the persistent process for being ready. And then I'll have to make this quick, very quick. Why? Why does God's Word produce this change? Because this is the inspired instrument for being ready. Look at verse 16. It says, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Why does the Word of God hold so much amazing potential to completely transform your life and set it on fire for the glory of God? It is because, first, all Scripture is breathed out by God. In other words, Scripture not only comes from God, it comes directly from God, as directly as you would feel your loved one's breath upon your face as they whisper something to you. All Scripture is like that. It is God's Word coming to you uninterrupted and uncorrupted. 2 Peter 1.21 says this, Understand this, first of all, that no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man. Well, those are just men's words. That's not what Scripture says. But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And therefore, God's Word is perfect. It is pure. Psalms 12, verse 6 says, The Word of the Lord are pure words, like silver refined in a furnace on the ground, purified seven times. I want you to think about the significance that Scripture is breathed out by God. Back in Genesis 2, verse 7, we're told that God formed man out of the dust of the earth. And what did God do next? It says D breathed, right? He breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. I want you to consider this morning, how much of a difference do you think the breath of God made in the life of Adam? And it made all the difference, right? It made all the difference. Without the life-imparting breath of God, man was just a heap of dust lying on the ground. But when God breathed, He became a living soul, walking and talking and fellowshipping and communing with God. This is how much a difference the breath of God makes. That is why the Word of God is called living and active in Hebrews 4, verse 12. And it is powerfully at work in those who believe, as 1 Thessalonians 2.13 says. It's because Scripture is breathed out by God. You can read every other book on planet Earth. It ain't breathed out by God. You must receive the God-breathed Word of God. It will make all the difference. As Paul says next, all Scripture is breathed out by God. It is therefore profitable. See, unlike the deceptions, the ideas, and the headlines of this world, the Bible is always profitable. The Scripture always produces four things. It is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. As you continue in God's Word this summer, God promises here to teach you, to reprove you, to correct you, and to train you in righteousness. First, 
Scripture is profitable for teaching. In other words, it imparts those vitally important truths about God, man, life, and eternity. You cannot understand reality properly apart from the truth of God's Word. Without the Word of God, you will be ever learning and never arriving at a true knowledge of the truth. Scripture is meant to teach you something. All Scripture is meant to teach you something. So I want to encourage you graduates, if you've never studied God's Word that much, you might be sitting there thinking, okay, but... Uh, what about those genealogies and those like Levitical laws and all that stuff? What about those? Yes, especially those parts. I want to encourage you. The next time you come across a passage that appears to be as dry as bones and isn't teaching anything, I want you to grab hold of this verse by faith and say, no, it's here to teach me something. I want you to ask God to open your eyes to understand the truth. And then ask one of your spiritual leaders to see if they have any insight in it as well. Because Scripture says that it is profitable for what for teaching god has something to tell you second all scripture is profitable for reproof that is for showing us our sins right the idea is you're walking along through life i don't know if this ever happened to you and you do something you say man something feels off i wonder if i did something wrong and then you open up the bible and bang it hits you upside the head right you recognize oh my goodness i have sinned Right? I have done something wrong. That's what the Word of God does. It opens your eyes to the reality of your true spiritual state and actions. How difficult is it to navigate life when you're a blind person? That is hard physically, is it not? It is hard spiritually as well. You and I need to have our eyes open. The most dangerous state we can ever be in spiritually is to be blind to our own faults and sins. To think that we're okay or faultless in a situation when we're not. When, we, when I do not see my sin, I grow proud and I do not realize my desperate need for God's help in my life. In fact, I guarantee you, if you uh, have not been reading the Word of God for a while, it's because you need some good reproof. You need God to open your eyes to the state of your soul so that you would recognize, I'm in desperate need of God, and I need to get back into the Word of God. The Bible promises to do just that, to show us our sins. So continue learning, affirming, believing the Word of God, because all Scripture is profitable for teaching, for reproof. He says, next, for correction. This term comes from the root word orthos, which means we, from which we get our word orthopedic or orthodontist. It's the people that straighten out your bones, straighten out your teeth, Guess what God's Word promises to do, believer, graduate? Straighten out your life. That is what God's Word does. You see, one of the words in the Old Testament regarding sin is that it is a perversion or a twisting of something. God wants our lives straight like a line, but sin warps our lives, it warps our thinking, it warps our affections into something ugly and twisted. The Bible promises to straighten out your life when it gets twisted. I want you to know, graduate, there is coming a day when you will be confronted with so many problems and burdens and complications that you will not know in that moment, up from down, right from wrong, true from false, and your life will feel all twisted up. Guess where you ought to run, believer, in that moment? You ought to run to the Word of God because it promises to straighten your life out. Sin makes life messy. God's Word sets you on right paths for His namesake. It's the shepherd's rod and staff. It will show you that this is the way. Walk in it. 
So continue learning and firmly believing the Word of God this summer because all Scripture is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, finally for training in righteousness. It literally means child training. It means raising up a child until he stands fully mature and able to do whatever is asked of him. This is what the Word of God does for you spiritually. It trains you. It makes you spiritually mature. So graduates, I have a question that I want you to consider. Looking back at this last year, or looking back at the last four years, do you struggle to see where you have grown spiritually or wish you had grown more? Looking ahead, would you like to grow more? Where would you like to be spiritually in the next year? Would you like to grow closer to the Lord and be ready for what God has in store? Then I would encourage you to read your Bible this summer like you've never read it before. Continue learning and firmly believing the Word of God because all Scripture is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. It is the inspired instrument for making you ready. Ready for what? And that's what we see next. The glorious goal for being ready is in verse 17. That the man of God might be complete, equipped for every good work. You know, one of the problems that I often have when I want to fix up things around the house, I all of a sudden realize that there's all these tools I have to buy, right? There's no way I can get this job done without spending, you know, at least $400 on all these cool things at Lowe's, right? It's just a necessary thing. It's part of home ownership. Well, that's often a struggle though, right? There's a job that you have to do and immediately you're faced with, oh my goodness, I am not equipped to do this. I need this tool over here to be able to get the job done. Well, guess what? When you have the Word of God, you have every tool that is needed to get the job done of glorifying God in this world no matter what circumstance He sends you. The reason why, graduate and believer, all of you, that you must continue in the Word of God is so that you would be ready, completely ready, for the work of God. Ephesians 2, 8 and 10 says that you and I are saved by grace through faith and the good works. Ephesians 2, 10 says this, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared before Him that we should walk in them. Believer, I want you to get the glory of that. In other words, in eternity past... God chose you before the foundation of the world to draw you to Himself that you might be saved because He has a special purpose for you. A special task. He planned out in eternity past every single day of your life and each one of those days since you trusted in Christ to the very day you'll enter into glory, each one of those days has a unique circumstance and opportunity for you to glorify God through. Good works that have been custom prepared for you to do. Many of them are revealed already in God's Word. Have any of you been baptized and become a church member yet? Those are first two, right? How to respond to the Gospel, right? You must believe. You must be baptized. You must be added and be devoted. But beyond that, God has many opportunities for you to glorify Him on each and every day. And the way that you and I equip ourselves to be ready to stand up and do those good works and glorify God in whatever circumstance God has in store for us that day is to continually learn and believe the Word of God so that His Word would be on the forefront. And we would know exactly that this is the way. Walk in it. This is the glorious goal for being ready. To know that I can glorify God no matter what circumstances come my way. My application is simple for this 
commencement address. Continue in the Word of God that you may be completely ready for the work that God has for you. Read the Bible this summer like you've never read it before. Start today. I am thrilled when I look out at you all knowing that whatever God has in store for you, you have enough in His Word to thoroughly equip you to do it. So may we do this. Continue to learn God's Word. Continue to believe it. And continue to obey it that we may be complete and equipped for every good work for the glory of God. This is the Word of God from 2 Timothy 3, 14-17, which I now commit to your further study and your faithful obedience. To that end, let's pray. Father, I thank You so much for how You have given us this multi-purpose tool. Your Word, extremely and infinitely sufficient for every task set before us from now into eternity. Father, we understand that we have all that we need for life and godliness through the knowledge of You. So Father, I pray that there would be that this room would be filled with believers that are dedicated for this summer to equip themselves for the tasks that God has in store. May we continue in the things that we have learned and firmly believed, knowing the lives of those who have come before us and knowing the power of Your Word as it has already worked within us. May we continue in it, steadfast and immovable, always abounding in Your work, knowing that our work is never in vain when we live for You. Father, I just pray for these graduates. What a life ahead of them. I pray that You would give them faith. That You would give them hope in the midst of this world. That You would give them a love, a dear and deep love for You and for one another and for the lost. Father, I pray that You would enrich their minds with the truth of Your Word and of the stories of those who have come before. That they might fix their eyes firmly on Jesus in the midst of this world and run faithfully the race that You have marked out for them, equipped for every hurdle You send their way. Give them much grace, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.